Hello coaches and welcome to another episode of the ITA College Tennis Coaches Podcast. Today my guest is Darnisha Moore, the head men's and women's coach at Alcorn State. Darnisha has had to battle through a lot of adversity in her young life to pursue her goals as a tennis player and now as a college coach. She's wasted no time in moving through the coaching ranks, starting her career as a volunteer coach at Southern University and Louisiana State University before taking over both programs at Alcorn State at the young age of 23. In this podcast, we discuss some of the challenges she faced as a child, her progress through the HBCU system, and some things she has learned from her experiences in the USTA Professional Coaching Program, the ITA-USTA Mentorship Program, and from Coach Andy Brandy at LSU. I hope you get something out of my conversation with Darnisha. Hello, Darnisha. Welcome to the ITA College Tennis Coaches Podcast. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Lots of different directions I want to go with you today, but I really want to start out with just having you kind of explain to our coaches what the HBCU uh, system is. I'm not sure a lot of our coaches are aware, um, mm-hmm. uh, especially our international coaches may not be familiar with, with HBCU. So you, you obviously played your college tennis at a HBCU. Now you coach at a HBCU. Can you explain uh, to our coaches the HBU system, HBCU system, some of its history and, and some of the mm-hmm. challenges um, this group of, of coaches, group of uh, institutions currently face? Yeah, sure. So for one, I attended um, Southern University and A&M College in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So, and now I'm the head coach at Alcorn State University, which is located in Lorman, Mississippi. So HBCUs were established during a time of segregation and limited educational opportunity for Blacks. So they were created to help get more African-Americans enrolled into college. So I've had the privilege, like I said, of attending Southern University. It was a great experience. Some of the history just includes the culture, traditionally tradition, and it's just a family environment. Um, I had a great, very, a very great experience. Um, some key takeaways that I had was just being on the team. It felt like a family environment since the my since I stepped foot on campus, like at my visit, um, we just, I don't know, like I, there was one girl from Chicago already on the team and I just felt welcome and I felt, just felt like home there. So that was one of the key takeaways for me. Um, I'm thankful to, to be in a position now to be at Alcorn State because once again, family environment, they have a rich tradition, let's say with um, Bayou Classic, that's one with football teams. Um, A lot of different traditions as far as I'll say at Southern University, we had a pretty Wednesday with everyone will kind of get dressed up and they'll be on the yard. That's what they call it. It's like right in front of the union. And we'll just they have a DJ out there. Sometimes they have different events during homecoming. The Greeks come out and step different things like that. So it was a really fun experience. Yeah. And, and can you take us through maybe some of the challenges you're, you're facing Alcorn State, some of the other coaches that you speak with in the HBCU system? Are, are the challenges uh, similar, different to, to what, you know, coaches all across the country are, are dealing with right now with with budget cuts and the like? Yeah, I'll say the main thing is definitely um, funding and the budget cuts. I know we have um, we had budget cuts this year and already not working on a big big um, budget that's going to affect us. So we'll have to do some fundraising to raise money. And I know in my conference, 
just a lot of the schools uh, in the swag, they don't have, you know, large budgets. So we kind of have to make things happen and just face a little bit of adversity there. Um, other um, challenges is the, I believe the enrollment has decreased over the past years, which also affects, you know, the university financially. So I say the main challenges stem around financials. Right. Right. Okay. And, and we'll get into more of kind of what you're doing at Alcorn state now, and, and maybe some of the challenges that, that you're facing, how you're working through them as, as uh, you know, we try to provide advice to other coaches as solutions as to how we, we get through this time uh, the best way possible. But I really want to go back to, to your early days, how you got started in tennis. You, you have a, a very inspiring story. You're not the typical uh, country club tennis player by by any means um and yeah. so can you share with with us how you got started playing tennis your your junior story uh and and many of the challenges that you faced growing up yeah sure so i'm from chicago illinois and i started playing when i was about four years old my aunt put the racket in my hand but before she would teach me she told me that i had to promise to give back so I made that promise to her and that's just something I hold would be to this day, just that value of giving back. Um, I started playing tournaments around six years old, I believe. And I started with the little Mo. So mm-hmm. that, I'm, I'm, do they still do the little Mo? I don't know, sure. but I've heard of it. So, and I didn't yeah, grow up in the sure. system. So yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So I, we started, I started tournaments with the little Mo. It was so fun. They had the, the I think the youngest age category was maybe about six or seven. Now they have the quick start. Cause when I was younger, we played with the yellow ball. I mean, mm-hmm. the net was taller than me. It was very interesting, <laughs> but very fun experience playing tournaments. And um, I ended up getting really competitive. I b- believe when I was about nine years old, there was a program called top tennis opportunity program. And it was located um, at Midtown Tennis Club in Chicago. And it was for low income families who wanted to pursue this playing tennis. So I applied for that program and I actually ended up getting a sponsor. And that's it was a family. So that family helped to pay for if I needed my racket strong. They paid for tennis lessons, private lessons and group lessons. Mm -hmm. So throughout my childhood, I would travel to. Um, the north side of Chicago to go take private lessons and group lessons at Midtown. And then I was also taking some group lessons at Excess Tennis. Mm-hmm. So this is all in addition to my aunt who taught me how to play. She also gave me lessons. So I was pretty much on the court every day. I, I came pretty much every day. And this has a lot of pros and cons with having, um, I won't say tennis parent, but, you know, someone in your family who, you know, plays tennis and travels with you because it's like mm-hmm. life um, when you see them. But I had a great time um, and I just always knew that. I mean, once I set that goal to make it to college, I just kind of start working really hard and probably about maybe in the 12s, something like that. And I was able to get to my first national tournament. It was in um, Alabama, I believe. So. Mm-hmm. I had a I had a pretty decent uh, junior experience. Um, and then when I became a teenager, start trying to you know keep that going, playing national tournaments. And then that situation uh, happened where my mom wanted to move from, let's say, Chicago to Texas. Like mm-hmm. to me, it was abrupt, you know. And I'm 15, just in Chicago, living life with my friends. Everything I know is here, and it was very 
challenging that move for me because my mom didn't know much about tennis and I felt like my career would be over. But when I got down there, um, we were staying with a friend and she ended up kicking us out and we ended up being homeless for some time. And then, you know, we got enrolled in a really good school district in which they couldn't turn us down because we were considered homeless. So we started in the school was Mesquite High School great high school. I absolutely loved it. And when I found out, we went to a, um, excuse me, uh, uh, what's it called? Open house. And one of the assistant principals told me that all of my credits transfer and that I can graduate early. I was like, what? Really? So, cause I was only, I was 15 at the time. So she told me that I was actually considered a, a senior instead of a junior. So I said, you know, what do I need to do to graduate? And they helped me to get on track to graduate. So I did. I took some extra classes and just did what was necessary. Now, it took me some time to get eligible in the Texas system. I can't remember what it was called, but that system to play tennis. But when I did, I went undefeated the whole season. I think I lost like one game. I was just so happy to be on the court. And I was just grateful for that opportunity. And I think that move to Texas really helped me with my gratitude towards tennis and just how much I love it and how much it means to me and how much it's shaped and molded my life. So mm-hmm. that was one of my main challenges. Um, but during that, my last year in high school, I actually uh, ended up receiving a full ride to Southern, which is a, also a very interesting story. I was just in class and if I had been in Chicago, I wouldn't have graduated earlier because I would have took that extra year for development to get ready for college. Mm-hmm. But since I was, I, I didn't really like Texas. I just wanted to get out of Texas. So whatever opportunity I had, I was trying to get out of there. But I was in class one day and the substitute teacher was actually from Chicago too. And he was like, hey, who's recruiting you? And I was like, um, I think Xavier or Prairie View, just a couple of schools. And he was like, I'm going to call the coach at Southern. Now, I was new to this process, the NCAA recruiting process. So I didn't know that you can just, you know, call a coach. I wasn't familiar with the process. So Mm -hmm. he called the coach and he's like, hey, I got a tennis player. And I told my he put the coach on the phone. I told him, like, hey, I'm Darnisha Moore. I just did a video, Um, you know, check it out. I'm a four star in tennis recruit. And he said, "Okay, I'll give you a call back later. And he called back later and offered me a full ride and an official visit. So I was like, okay. (laughs) So we went on a visit that next, uh, maybe like within two weeks, we went on a visit. And like I said, when I went to Southern, it was just such a great experience. Just the atmosphere was so electric and just like energized. I loved it. And I love sports. So when we, on my visit, I think the basketball team had just won the championship. So it was really cool. And I love to eat. Like I love food. So just being in Louisiana was just such a great experience (laughs) food wise, because I learned about, you know, their traditions, their, the seafood is just amazing. So Mm -hmm. that's some of the, um, that's a little bit about how I got to college and those experiences. Yeah. And, and some of those challenges you refer to, to moving to, to Texas, being homeless, having to sit out, um, you know, your part of your high school tennis season, as you were trying to get eligible to, to play. Um, I know you were, I think getting a couple of buses, bringing your sister to school. Um, yeah. you, you, you know, you, again, you really had to, to fight and claw your way for, for every bit of, 
um, tennis experience or tennis exposure you could get. So, so how has that maybe influenced how you coach today or, or how you perceive your role as a coach? Yeah, I think for me personally, just what I went through, it, um, it just helped me build an extra muscle, I'll say. So just the family I come from, they're just, I have a family full of strong women and I haven't seen them show like any weaknesses or things like that. So when I'm going through something, all I'm thinking is I just have to get through it. Like do what you have to do to make it happen and get through it. I didn't really have time to sit and, you know, cry about it or dwell about it, but that's just how I was raised. But it's definitely a little bit different now in my adult life. But as far as relating to my coaching, it helps me connect with others because just because I've been through some things, I know everyone goes through things, but it's all about perseverance. And one of my main values I'll say is just perseverance, resilience, and toughness. And if you can just keep working hard and keep doing the little things, even if it's a bad day or a good day in the end, it should pay off. So when, with my team, one of my main, and I made it like a hashtag for us, but I call it um, make, hashtag make it count. And that's just mainly, we don't know what's going to happen today, tomorrow, but at least while we have this chance, we want to make it count because you don't want any missed opportunities because you didn't take advantage or leverage what you do have right now. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how it kind of goes into my coaching. Yeah. So that extra muscle is, is kind of that perseverance, that resilience muscle that you're, you're not going to get maybe too high or low about results or, you know, drama with the team or something like yeah. that. You're, you're able to take it in your stride and put in perspective. So you're, uh, you're wise beyond your years, Darnisha. It's, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> great, great to see, but, um, so can you, yeah, you, you coach both men and women at, at Alcorn and, and, um, you know, as, as I've learned more about the HBCU system, I, I've noticed that there's, uh, a lot of women coaches, uh, coaching both mm-hmm. men and women, the HBCU system, and it doesn't appear to be the case, you know, across other institutions around the country. So why, uh, why is that maybe more acceptable at HBCUs? Why, why do we see more of, uh, more women coaching both men and women? Do you think? Um, I know we, I mean, just to, kind of piggyback off the first question, just with the challenges of funding and maybe um, budget wise, it may be cost effective to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, I think everyone should have an equal shot regardless. Like if there was a woman, a woman applying for a, a male coach position, um, I would just say to get, you know, get experience first. I know that's what helped me. Um, I was at LSU before, um, Alcorn with the men's team. And it was just phenomenal experience. Like I learned so much and it gave me so much confidence to work with the men's team. And I actually love coaching the guys. And I'm, of course I love coaching the women's too, but there's no, you know, up and down, like, Oh, the guys more to the girls less. Like I love both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, what do you think you've learned from, from coaching the men? Obviously, uh, you know, there's, I've, I've talked with, with coaches about this before, but I, I'm really interested because it just doesn't happen that often. Right. Or it's always mm-hmm. kind of a, almost a surprise when we see a, a woman coaching a man's team. And, uh, obviously that's a, a trend we, we want to see change in all sports, not just tennis, but 
what, what, what are some of maybe the surprises or uh, lessons that you've learned from coaching the men that also allows you to be a better coach um, just in general to, to men and women and also that maybe you apply to coaching the women? Okay. Yeah. The guys there, it's, it's very different. Um, just communicating with them on and off the court is different from communicating with the women. They are want more of a, a short, quick response and versus the women are more detail oriented. Like you can like just give them way more information at one time than the guys. Um, they're also very energetic and that's what I love because I'm super energetic. So when we get out to practice or it's time for a match, they're like ready to go. They're bouncing around, hopping around um, versus the women's. I think it takes a little more to, to get them pumped up like they can, but it just takes a little more where the guys are just ready to go, ready to play. And that that's even something I learned from coaching like juniors, like little little boys and they're just ready to go. So I think that energy is um, a big lesson learned or something I learned to it correlate that to the women's tennis, like bring that energy on their side too, because like I said, it takes them a little bit more time. And I've also just met with the guys individually to build the relationship with them on how I can help, you know, maximize their experience. Like, what can I say to help you that, you know, what would you prefer this or this? And based off their responses, I know like how I can respond to them in, in a, in a match in the heat of the moment. Like, how are you doing pressure? Do you need, this type of treatment or do you need this type of treatment? Things like that. So I think building the relationships with me helped me learn a lot about them. Mm -hmm. And was there any pushback from, from the male players, you know, that we don't want to be coached by a woman or was there any lack of respect or any challenges that you faced there early on? Um, actually, no. When I first got there, uh, I was super nervous just because I was young and I knew that I wasn't far from their age. I'm like, I don't know how they're going to look at me, but you can tell the guys. So when I, when I got hired, I had to meet with the team and you could just tell the guys did their research on me. They were asking me all types of questions, but they, they were about me. So of course I was just firm and just able to answer them. They wanted to know about my experiences you know, what my plans were for them, different things like that. But I remember um, maybe there was one situation. Um, I, I believe I asked them to be about 10 minutes early to practice, something like that. And they came like maybe two minutes right before practice started. And I'm like, what time is it? And then they, I think one of the guys was like, oh, it's um, like 6.58. I'm like, no, try again. And then... I think he said something back, but then I had to let him know, like, no, you're supposed to be here at this time. This is what it is. So I think just taking a step to, you know, be a little more aggressive and just show them like, you know, that they can't walk over me or, you know, anything like that. I think that helped. And once I nipped that in the bud, we actually went to run because they were technically late. So don't worry about it. We walked to the track and we, I made them run and we came back and it never happened again. So I think just, nipping things in the bud right when it happens, or there was only another situation where um, one of the guys was talking to me about, we were talking about practice. I didn't think they had a good practice, but I wanted to know their input first because I don't like to say, Oh, this is a bad practice. I wanted to be like, you know, we could have did better in these areas. But one of the guys was like, Oh, well coach, we haven't played since 
March and this and that. And I'm like, well, how long have you been playing tennis? You know, that's not a good excuse. So I think just me being able to be firm and put them in check when needed. I think I kind of gained a little uh, respect from them. And then they know that, okay, I I definitely care about you all. Like, I don't want to just come out here and waste time. Like, I want to get out here and get it in. So I think there's just a, a mutual respect. I haven't, no one's disrespecting me or anything like that. Um, when I'm talking to them during a match, they're very receptive and I really appreciate that. And it felt good when we played um, LSU and my first college match, that was kind of ironic, but we play LSU and coach Andy told me that they respect me really well. And that just made me feel good because I don't know, I think people would, you know, look at a, a woman coach and men's team and think that they wouldn't, but it's, I think it's fine. My personalities, I'm a really, I can get really aggressive. So I think they like that and sometimes need that. Yeah. Okay. Well, keep at it, please. That's uh, great. And so your, your first position in college coaching was as a volunteer at, at LSU with Andy Brandy. So what, what did mm-hmm. you learn from that experience and, and what are some of the lessons you still apply now as a head coach? Yeah. Wow. I mean, even though I wasn't there for a long time, I learned so much and just, a short period of time. Uh, I don't even think I can tell you all the lessons learned right now, but I can kind of go over the top ones. Um, I like the structure of his practice and um, just how he talked to the team before practice and made sure everyone understood everything and um, before going on to the next drill, different things like that. He's a very aggressive coach, I believe. And he just, you can tell how much he cares and loves for his players and he's going to get it out of you, like whatever he needs. You know, he's going to try to get it out of you and push you to your limits. So I really like that about him. I also liked how they pretty much did like match play after after practice, after every single practice. I was there. They played sets and different things like uh, work, putting incorporating the drills into the set. So I, lo- I love the progressions as well. Um, and just standing on the side, having just side conversations with him. He was always telling me to get knowledge, but also apply the knowledge. So it's good to, you know, learn, you know, from books and different things like that. But at some point you do have to be able to apply it. So I learned that. And I just picked up so much from, like I'll say verbally from him talking to the team. And then I found myself able to communicate some similar things to the team. So I think what I learned, I mean, what I put into my coaching from him is just that same energy that he brought to the team, the little bit of that structure. And then the even cultural things like, I remember he said, um, you know, if you get a, if you can get a penalty in a match and you do it at practice, you know, you'll be punished. So he had this racket, like a really beat up racket that he would let the guys use if they wanted to slam the racket versus slamming their own racket, but they never really used it. But if someone did slam the racket, like he instantly got on it. So I learned to, if there's something, I guess with disciplining, if there's something that happens to get on it right then and there. So Mm -hmm. those are some of the main things I learned. Yeah. Sounds like some, some great lessons to learn and, and uh, yeah, prepared you for, for what you're dealing with now. So, uh, you know, staying on that, that, uh, topic of education. And I really love what you said there about, yeah, we can read all the books in the world. We can go to webinars. We can have a, um, 
you know, our own, I guess, coach or, uh, you know, life coach or whatever it is. But at some point, right, you have to go and apply all, all that information you've got to do and you've got to learn the lessons. And I think sometimes uh, we're maybe guilty of coaches of, of keep trying to absorb and learn, but uh, don't always apply the things that we're learning. So, so you've gone through a number of programs with the USTA. You're currently in the mm-hmm. ITA mentorship program. So what are some of the lessons you've learned from those experience or the certification uh, courses that you've done and that you feel like, again, you're, you're applying today? Wow. Um, all of these, I mean, clearly I'm addicted to learning. So all of these experiences have been so detrimental to my growth for, for learning as a coach. But I feel like for, with the USDA, definitely professionalism, networking, and building relationships were the top three things that I learned. They take pride in, I'll say all three of those things. Um, when I was with my mentors with USTA, we would travel around to the different tournaments or like whether it was a junior tournament or the US Open or any professional tournament, they just had so much respect that people would walk by and they would speak to everyone. They knew their names. And I was just like, how do they know all of these people? We've been to so many different states, but that just showed you their value and building relationships with people. And my mentor even told me like, you know, this is something that's crucial. I mean, you just never know who you're talking to. You just always want to be presentable. Um, and I had to learn about professionalism because honestly, that was my first environment, um, professional environment. So I had to learn a couple of things. I remember I was at the Cincinnati Open. And I had my headphones in. I was just walking around with my headphones in and my mentor kind of pulled me to the side. Like he didn't make a big deal about it, but he was just telling me, you know, no one, no one will feel really comfortable walking up to you if they see that you have your headphones in. So I just took them out and just put them in my bag because I don't want to feel like I'm giving off a vibe. That I don't want anyone to approach me different. So it was like a lot of learning lessons um, there professionally. And then last, I'll say just acting like I was supposed to be there was a lesson learned for me because I was just so excited just to be on the the national campus and just traveling with them because it was just to me, it was just so thrilling. But I think looking back at certain points, I would just tell myself, like, act like you're supposed to be here because this is what you want to do. Like, this is what you worked hard to get to this point. So you're supposed to be here. I think sometimes I was just so shocked, like, oh, my gosh, like I'm here. But I would say that was the lesson learned. And then, like I said, just networking. We went to so many different events, just going through the certification process and um, going to the different coaching ed programs introducing myself and being comfortable talking to people from around the country or even around the world. I had to get comfortable doing that. So that was, those are my top lessons learned from that experience. Wow, it sounds, it sounds amazing and sounds like you've got a lot out of it and will continue to do so. So well done. Um, so what are some of your goals now uh, with Alcorn State, longer term goals as a college tennis co- coach? You, you know, you, you started out by saying, you know, when you started tennis at age four, your aunt uh, told you that you you were going to have to to give back. <laughs> uh, if she right. was going to put this time into you, you were going to have to give back. And and uh, really cool to hear that. I got goosebumps when you said that. Um, so what impact are you hoping to have on the game of tennis over the course of your your career? Yeah, so, I mean, for one, some long-term goals with Alcorn is just to increase the level of tennis. I think it's, it's possible to for the teams to play at a higher level and just, I mean, and, and even recruit at a higher level. Cause sometimes I guess I'll say UTR wise, like, 
you know, we'll go play um, a bigger school and they have like a couple points of a higher ranked player. And I feel like, you know, we can compete with them and we can get talent to compete with them. So that's one of the things. Um, one of my main missions as a coach right now at Alcorn is to develop strong leaders with a growth mindset that will try to pull someone up as they go forward too. So just instilling that value in them and giving back and, you know, community service, different things like that and, and leadership on and off the court. That's one of my main goals to help, you know, help them become leaders and just to shift their mindset because it's definitely a challenge, but I think it's necessary in the long term to have a growth mindset, especially in your career and your profession, because it just will open up many doors for you. So that's one of my missions um, as a coach. Um, and I feel like, what was, it, what was the second part of the question? Well, just the, the impact that you want to have on the game uh, in general. I mean, you've kind of touched upon that, but uh, is there, you know, you look back, say, in 45 years, uh, what, what impact do you hope that you've had on, on the game of tennis? Wow, um, that's a good question. I know the, the, True Nerf, the True Nerf Sports Academy that we're in, that's definitely mm -hmm. had me think about questions like that. And it's... I didn't initially because this happened for me kind of early. Like this was like a 10 year goal to be a head coach. I mean, <laughs> right. and it just happened. So yeah. now it's like, I've been working on reshaping my goals and replanning. Okay. What are my five year goals, my 10 year goals. But at this point I'm leaning more towards having an impact of inspiring young players to, for one, go to college to use their stories and not be scared to share their stories, whether they went through, in any adversity because it, it can motivate someone else. And then it'll help you learn what your superpowers are as a person. And then I really think I want to be a mentor later on in life and just help coaches and help players. I think I'm really passionate about that. And it's just done such amazing things for my life. I know it can do that for others because if I was, if I didn't go in through any mentorship programs, I don't think I would be here right now. So mm -hmm. I think I would love to, Eventually, I guess, well, 45 years. How, ooh, that's a long time. But <laughs> I, think I just threw that number on, out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, just later on in life, hopefully I can be a blessing to someone else and help them accomplish their goals and just keep that cycle going of, you know, giving back and lifting as I climb. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great, great answer, Darnisha. I'm going to hold you that, uh, hold you to that promise of becoming a mentor. I'll be calling on you and, uh, yes. you can be the next, uh, ITA college tennis coaches podcast, uh, host. How's that? Uh, uh, yeah, sounds I'll, good. <laughs> I'll turn it over to you. Um, okay. We're going to go into rapid fire. I keep saying, I'm going to change the name of this segment, but, uh, every time I go to record these, I forget, I'm going to change the name. So, um, what is a book that made a, a major impact on you as a coach? Mindset <laughs> by, uh, I think it's Carol Dweck. Carol Dweck. That book yeah. Was, yeah. Well, actually, so that was professionally, like I'll say for tennis, for coaching, but for my life, the book law of attraction made a just, I read it when I was a teenager, but I read it almost every couple of years just to stay refreshed with it. But that book has changed my life. And I feel like that helped change my profession. But then the book mindset has been a very big help for me. Mm. So really good book. Yeah. I would recommend. Yeah. It, it becomes even more valuable when you become a parent. I, I, uh, 
yeah, that, that was really valuable to me as to how I speak to my children and, um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a great book. Um, an amazing research that Carol Dweck has done. So what is your favorite drill to do with your team teams? Um, right. Oh, I have a lot of favorite drills and it's crazy because I get, I go on YouTube a lot. Am I supposed to answer this question really fast? Is no. That like <laughs> no, I just so, asked them quickly. <laughs> They're short questions. Um, yeah. What drill do I like? There's a new, okay. There's a couple. I actually have a lot of drills, but there's a new one where I like when we're hitting through the, um, it's like a doubles drills. We're working on hitting through the alleys and pulling the, pulling, I'll say the opponent off the court and opening up the court to hit to the, does that make sense? Yep. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> so so the yeah. next person can look to poach because they're like, sometimes they're so scared to poach. I'm like, okay, well, let's work on hitting through the alley. So your partner hits through the alley, pulls them off the court. Now that shortens the court for the uh, player and you can go and poach, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So do you have two people okay. on the baseline, two at net? Yes. Okay. Okay. And you just feed yeah. the ball in as the coach or they can feed it in and, and get, get it started? Yeah, they can pretty much feed her. Sometimes I'll just do, um, I'll just have one person on one side and two people on the other side and they'll mm-hmm. be rallying cross court, trying to hit through the court. And as soon as they don't get it cross court enough, that person, the partner looks to poach. Okay. Gotcha. Um, okay. And we've started a, a coach's drill space as well. So I'm, I'm gonna, you're gonna have to record that for us and send that into me. Okay? Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, cool. I can probably explain it better. I'll follow up with you afterwards. Um, Name one thing you've changed your mind on in recent years, whether it be in coaching or in life. Hmm. One thing I've changed my mind on, I guess my, my future goals. Cause like I said, um, this goal got checked off early. So now I have to see how this, you know, see how I like this space and, continue to set a new goal like a higher goal I guess so it's like now I have to mm. elevate myself and set a bigger goal because this was a big goal for me so right yeah right yeah makes sense and I have to change my mind with setting bigger goals I'll say mm-hmm. that yeah um what is your favorite quote or do you have one yes I have three favorite quotes that I kind of live by mm-hmm. so the first quote is well, that I'll say that one last, but I love the quote opportunity is often disguised as hard work and don't miss your opportunity because you didn't work hard. And that just spoke to me because sometimes you literally don't know when an opportunity is going to come, but you don't want to miss it because you didn't work hard. So that kind of, it motivated me to work hard every day because I don't know when it's going to come, but I'm not going to miss it because I didn't put the work in. So mm-hmm. that, that stands out to me. A recent one that I've just, gravitated to was I think it's live as if you'll wait learn as if you would live forever and then live as if you would die tomorrow or something like that or die today so it spoke to me because if you learn as if you would live forever then you'll always be challenging yourself to you know grow and learn new things and if you live as if you would die tomorrow you won't you won't really have any regrets because you know, you woke up and you just did the things that were fulfilling to you to live life. So that really spoke to me. And then lastly, um, don't count the days, make the days count really simple. Mm -hmm. And that's why I do my make it count just because we don't know how much time we have on this earth. 2020 has been 
<laughs> a really rough year for everybody. But if we can find a way to make each breath count, each action count, each second that we have here count, I think that's just a, a, a good way to look at life for me. So yeah, don't yeah. count the days, make the days count. Yeah. Very good. If, if one good thing comes out of 2020, it's that, right? That we, uh, we live live life that way or yeah. more, uh, be more conscious of that. So, okay, what is one lesson you hope all your players have learned by the time they leave Alcorn State? Um, first, I just hope they have a, a great experience. And like I said, I hope they just learn some great leadership skills that they can carry in, for the rest of their life and have that mindset to grow every day, just be a, the best version of yourself possible. Like I would really hope that I instill that in them. Wake up and try to be the best version of yourself possible. And then to give back because someone helped you get to where, I don't think who got to where they are by themselves, you know, someone helped. So Mm -hmm. just be a blessing to someone else and try to help them as you work your way to the top is definitely possible. So I really hope my players get that out of my program. Okay. Well, well done, Darnisha. We, uh, I really enjoyed that. I, I don't know if it was just our conversation or a Zoom and being able to see you or a combination of both. But I, I really enjoyed that. That was fun. So thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing all your wisdom. I think uh, our coaches will get a lot out of this. And um, remind us what age you are, Darnisha. I am 24. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, you're yeah. already a head coach of a men's and women's team. So, um, yeah, I hope. Uh, yeah, this is my one year anniversary. <laughs> Literally, yeah. I started October 1st last year. So I was 23. So, yeah, I'm celebrating today. <laughs> I know. I thought I, I was young as a head coach at 25. You you, you beat me. So, um, yeah, it's, it's awesome to hear. And I hope more young coaches follow in your footsteps. So thanks for all you do for... Uh, for your team out there or your teams out there and for college tennis. So we will see you soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Dave. It's always a good time with you on the phone or whatever. So I look forward to continuing this relationship.